Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. This is the Christmas show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. G'day, g'day. Good to have your company. Welcome to the program. I hope you're well. And uh, no matter where you're watching from or listening from, some people still simply listen, although on just about every video streaming platform in the world, you can now watch TNT, wherever you might be. Congratulations. You've struck the jackpot. And to our newbies, welcome along to today's News Talk, because this is the place where we break down the news. We break down the big events, the world's biggest events, and we tell you what's actually happening. That is the truth without all the government spin and the mainstream media BS. That's why you should stick right here at each and every occasion and spread the word as well. First up, they say that when your friend starts to tell you what's wrong with you, you should listen very carefully. It matters most. Kind of makes sense. Well, the New York mayor has delivered a very frank assessment of his friend Joe Biden. And one of his key policies, which is hurting just about every city in the United States of America. I'll get to that assessment and the ramifications of that at the November poll in just a short moment. My special guest today is Ed Martin. Ed is on semi-regularly on this program, and we appreciate his input, his analysis. He is the president of the Eagle Forum Education and Legal Defense Fund. We've got so much to talk about today. Um, from today's developments in the lawfare attacks against Donald Trump, there's so much to tell you about there. Uh, Trump's comments, too, on central bank digital currencies is really interesting. Uh, to the most extraordinary divorce case possibly in the history of the US, which has seen parents fight over changing the gender of their son. But that fight is a veil in front of a fight for riches. It is just woeful. It is the closest thing you can get to, I guess, indirect child abuse. There's been a rally against reckless renewables held outside Parliament House in Canberra. May there be more of them right around the world. Well done to Australian farmers and the organisers here. We will cross to Canberra this hour on the program to see which politicians were game enough to turn up, despite what they may have said about a renewable nirvana in the future of Australia. We'll talk to uh, one of the organisers very shortly. Also down under, we've had a major decision made on interest rates in Australia, and economist Natalia Ilushina will unpack what it means for us. And we'll also talk about EV, some big stories, including one that uh, points to a flooding of the market by China in EVs. And this is one of the reasons why in America right now, you have supply uh, way in excess of demand. And you heard what I reported last week from the chairman of Toyota. He is saying, sorry, lower your expectations on EVs, although politicians will never do that because it's evangelism. Um, and they have said at Toyota that EVs will only take up 30% of the market, 30%. And you've got some politicians around the world saying, well, we'll all be driving EVs, sure. Um, Senator Holly Hughes 
is back in Canberra, our regular commentator on this program. She's back there along with 200 of her closest honourable friends. Uh, We'll talk about the King's cancer diagnosis. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese facing the music over his convenient tax lie. And is Holly's boss, Peter Dutton, the opposition leader, a thug? That's been the uh, suggestion in a documentary overnight. So all of that coming up next hour on the program. Busy program. So buckle up, but stay put. This is Chris Smith broadcasting live from Sydney, Australia on the Global News Talk Network, TNT. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I come to you for facts. I really appreciate what you and your team do. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, let's get to the issue that the polls tell us this week the majority of Americans are most angry about, and that is Joe Biden's open border policy. I spoke on the program yesterday, right at the start, about that very revealing NBC poll, which showed that Biden has a fair few anvils around his neck at the moment, and uh, there's a great deal of dissatisfaction in him from Americans. And one of the heaviest anvils that he is carrying is his chaotic southern border policy. And adding oil to that inferno, news broke over the weekend that New York City Mayor Eric Adams has the gall to soon launch a $53 million pilot program to hand out prepaid credit cards to migrant families housed in hotels. Not content with the fact that he's taken up some of the big city hotels for migrants, he's handing out credit cards. Now, I had to read that twice because I thought I was being fooled by some kind of AI deep fake news story, but it was true. The New York Post discovered city records and reported that 500 migrant families at the Roosevelt Hotel will receive prepaid cards, paid by the taxpayer, of course, to help them buy food. Now, on Sunday, this was how Texas Governor Greg Abbott reacted to the scheme. He slammed the idea. Uh, It it sounds like insanity is behind it because it it really is is offensive. It may be the most reprehensible thing that I've seen take place over the past 48 hours when when you see police officers in New York City being beaten by illegal immigrants uh, in this country who should not be in the country in the first place. Uh, And then after they engage in this crime against a law law enforcement officer, they are let loose back out onto the streets. What's going on in New York is outrageous and Americans across the entire country are angry, not just about what's going on in New York, but the underlying cause for it, which is Joe Biden's open border policies. See, he is twice the president that Joe Biden will ever be. And he's not president. He's the governor of Texas. I'll get to Joe Biden in just a second. But getting back to these prepaid credit cards, how can you administer a program that gives illegal immigrants any kind of discretion over taxpayers' money in the state? How can you do that? And how can you do it in light of what you've just heard from Greg Abbott is occurring on the streets of New York? Now, if you have to feed these Freddie freeloaders, well, you do it. It's part of the Constitution. And so incrementally and directly you feed these people. You tell them to turn up to a central point and you give them appropriate food and drink depending on their need. That's how you hand out food. And that's what they're doing at the moment. What's wrong with that? Oh, it's costing too much money. Well, 
credit cards in the hands of those who already broke the law by crossing the border in the first place, they can be used for anything. And even if they engineered these prepaid credit cards that could only purchase foodstuffs, which is apparently what the intent is, who's to say that the purchase of those goods don't become what's then sold on the streets at the next corner each and every day? That would be a terrific way to make money. I'm no crook. I don't need to think about this, but I bet they have. And you know what happens then? The sellers will then complain to authorities about not having access to enough food. We're starving. And guess what? The governor's food trucks will then arrive back on duty at the foot of these major hotels in New York City. No questions asked. And they'll hand out food to the various hotel rooms and these illegal immigrants. That's how it works. Why would you not take the food that you buy from discretionary credit cards and flog it for money? Don't they understand how these things work? It's a daft idea, but the kind of crazy concept that spews out of the mouths of desperate officials when the federal government creates an intractable problem in the first place. And that brings me back to the mayor. Now, Eric Adams didn't react to Greg Abbott's description of his prepaid credit card food scheme today as being insane and reprehensible, but he did reserve some time in the press conference that he held to cane his one-time close friend and fellow Democrat, the President of the United States, Joe Biden, for the mess that his administration has created for states and cities right across the U.S. of A. Have a listen to this. Members came from somewhere. That's the only common denominator we have. All of us came from somewhere. But um, I can't be clear. This is a national problem. <laughs> you know, Chicago, Boston, Houston, Washington. The national government must solve this and the challenges that we are facing. Uh, no city should be facing these challenges. And I kept saying this over and over again. We're going to start to see the visualization of the failure of the policy. I said this over and over again. I said it last year. I said it, of, you know, from the beginning of this crisis. We're seeing the visual of what a failed national po policy is producing. And it, it, when I speak to my colleagues in other uh, cities, they're saying the same thing. It's not unique to New York. We have to fix this with a national solution. You see, when they held that, convoy, that rally on the southern border in Texas over the weekend, they had 15 state governors. They were Republican governors. But if you actually gathered all the governors in the United States that were against what the Biden administration was doing in terms of border policy, you'd probably have 100 there. Like, I exaggerate, but you understand what I mean. You already had 15 they were Republicans and they were out there to support Donald Trump. We get their politics. But seriously, every one of them are being disadvantaged by the policy of the administration. So cop that, Joe Biden. And Adams is on the same side. If that's what your friends say about you and they say it publicly, um, what are impressionable American voters saying behind Joe's back about this as well? Well, those listening and watching from the United States would know exactly what you're saying. If the Democrats think that all of these illegals are potential Democrat voters because they got their freedom by having an open door policy, and so I've got to thank Joe and the Democrats for the rest of my life. If that is 
the long-term benefit that the Democrats are playing at here, uh, I'm sorry, they are nuts, total nuts, because the problems that accrue from such a policy will affect job markets right across the US. It's already doing that. Temporary housing facilities, places like New York, are at the stage where any further influx will see them in Central Park. And then they affect the budgets in every city in the country, which is why you've got some cockamamie prepaid credit card scheme being rolled out by Mayor Adams. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to save the multiple millions they're spending per week to house, feed and look after these people. And I'm telling you, when all of those problems are combined, you won't stay in power. You'll be kicked out of the White House every single time because the majority of Americans are greatly and grossly disadvantaged. If they can't see that, they are grossly delusional. And as I've said many times before, they don't deserve to be anywhere near power. This is TNT. TNT's Abby Roberts. So this is the headline in The Guardian. Pleasure of sex is a gift from God, but avoid porn. Pope advises. What is it with religious people and sex? Isn't there anything else that's 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 more important to worry about? And this is what uh, this is what Pope Francis uh, say. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it in an Italian accent just to be even more offensive. Sexual pleasure is a gift from God, but Catholics must avoid pornography. Pope Francis has said. The pontiff. Oh, I'll tell you what though, he was all for giving people lots of pricks during 2021. Bloody hell, mRNA's fine, but just not porn. Abby Roberts on TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. The benefits of advertising on today's news talk, TNT Radio, should be clear to businesses of any shape or size. It can be accessed anywhere, anytime, by anybody and is the perfect way to build brand awareness and stimulate digital activity. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back. Well, on Friday, the judge overseeing former President Donald Trump's election interference case suspended his March 4 trial date. But Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg has indicated Trump's March 25 trial over alleged hush money payments to adult film actress Stormy Daniels will proceed. More lawfare against Donald Trump and lawfare that I don't think will do much for the Democrats. Convicted lawyer, Michael Cohen is the star witness in the Stormy Daniels case, credibility close to zero. Let's bring in Ed Martin, president of the Eagle Forum Education and Legal Defence Fund. Ed holds advanced degrees in medical ethics and philosophy and was awarded postgraduate fellowships in Italy and Indonesia. He served as chairman of the Missouri Republican Party and as a member of the Republican National Committee. In 2016, he co-authored the New York Times bestseller, the conservative case for Trump. Ed's a board member of the Patriot Freedom Project, which provides support for the January 6 political prisoners. Ed Martin, welcome back to TNT. Great to be with you, Chris. Thanks for the chance to talk. Now, what are the implications for Donald Trump's suspended election interference yeah. trial? Because you have said on a previous occasion that that case is close to over for 2024. 
Yeah, that's what's playing out now. In fact, uh, in the last, uh, I don't know, uh, 12 or 14 hours, there was a conference call on a separate case with that judge, the judge named Chutkin. And Chutkin was talking to the lawyers and said, look, I plan not to be in the country in August. She's on vacation. And she said, unless I have to uh, do this one trial that's not been put back on my calendar. Everybody's reading the tea leaves and saying, you know, by the time you get to that point, that that D.C. case, the federal case has to do with January 6th, which is I've always also always said is the toughest case because the D.C. jury is really tough. And there's a lot of facts that you can make the argument about. It's not real, but it's it's, it's there. That case is over. But as you point out immediately and, you know, I, I jokingly said to someone today, you can get used to anything. Anything you can get used to if, it, if it's happening all the time. And all the time, Trump's got some other case. And so as you point out, immediately, March 4th was supposed to be the trial in the federal case in D.C. March 25th is the criminal trial in New York City on this uh, uh, payment, this money payment thing. It's, again, an attenuated case. But I think that will go to trial. And I think we're going to have the incredible image of Donald Trump, former president, current candidate, sitting in a courtroom in a criminal case in about six or eight weeks. What do you think the outcome will be? And does the outcome even matter? I don't think it really matters. I think ultimately, uh, I, I would answer two ways. One, I think he gets convicted. Uh, at this point, the country has been so, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, inundated with this brainwashing and a place like New York, New York City, where he's going to be tried. You're not going to get a jury that's not going to think the worst. I will say this. Michael Cohen is such a bad witness. He's the lead witness, as you mentioned, convicted lawyer. And this current prosecutor is taken on water, as they say. He's he. This is the prosecutor in New York where uh, there were uh, a bunch of illegals beating the heck out of a cop, and they released those illegals on no bail, and those guys fled to California or to Florida or somewhere. He's getting a lot of negative attention. You know, you go down below the federal prosecutors, it's an uneven set of uh, lawyers. And I think Bragg, as his name, is going to have a tougher time in this case than he thinks. But ultimately, uh, you know, in New York City, Donald Trump as a defendant, I think they're going to convict him of, of some or all of the charges. And then it'll go up on appeal and it'll be resolved and thrown out. And who knows? It'll probably be President Trump at that point and have to be dealing with the appeal. So it is wild times, Chris. It's really wild and not good. <laughs> Wild times is a great a great description of the situation politically in the United States. Yeah. I want to talk to you about the NBC numbers yesterday, which don't uh, flatter Joe Biden at all. Um, as a matter of fact, in terms of being an efficient president, it is opposite to the way it was leading up to 2020. But I'm just thinking there was a, a particular <clears throat> um, piece of information that came out of that survey that indicated that people may turn against Donald Trump if he were convicted on one of these major indictments. Now, the problem with surveying people about hypotheticals is that often the result can be the complete opposite. And the more they yeah. demonise Donald Trump, the more he seems to gather support. So if he is convicted, does he is he bruised at that point or will those that are wavering turn up behind him? Well, I look, it's very practical. I, I have, I, you mentioned, I ran the Republican Party in Missouri. I also ran for office twice, once in a very high profile U.S. congressional race, a House race, once for Attorney General of the State of Missouri, which is a big statewide race. So I, I know campaigns and, and a, a couple things to, to 
say very clearly, you don't want to be indicted four times when you're a candidate. I mean, it doesn't help you to say to voters, I'm a four-time indicted. Most people think, good or bad, you must have done something, right? I mean, so yeah. I've never said it. That I, this is a an effective tool to try to peel away voters. Having said that, Donald Trump is different than anybody ever. It's like when they, they said, you know, two or three weeks before the election in 2016, they said, Donald Trump said things about women and about sex with women. And everyone went, yeah, I mean, we already knew that about the guy. Like he was a, that's, that's kind of baked in. He's a playboy. He was a playboy three times married, right? I mean, his la latest wife is 25 years younger and a supermodel. Like nobody thought, oh, he was telling me he was a preacher and now he turns out to be a sinner. Doesn't, it didn't wash. Similar to this now. I Look, if he's convicted, uh, I think people are, are not really going to change their opinion. The one thing that's happening, though, you mentioned Biden. Biden's numbers are in free fall because people are looking up and they're saying the border's open, crime is on the upswing, the economy doesn't feel better, even though they're trying to say that over and over again, and Trump is over here, and you keep finding something. You think it embarrasses Trump to say you had documents in the bathroom at Mar-a-Lago, you had a, a lawyer of yours say that you paid hush money, you did this, that, and the other thing. Most people are like, why don't they leave this guy alone? And so that's growing. Now, having said all that, the country's divided. You're getting, you got forty five percent that are going to be with Biden, no matter what, and forty five percent with Trump, no matter what. It's going to be in that middle area where we're going to see some things that I think I think are going to change the whole dynamic of this country. I think you're going to see black men, for example, vote for Trump in huge numbers. I think immigrants in this country are going to vote for Trump in huge numbers. Legal immigrants, the ones that have been here a generation or even less, yeah. and and so. But I don't know that these convictions are going to matter. But they're certainly going to keep doing it. This is all they've got. Look, with with Biden in the basement, they had to use COVID. Now they got. Biden in the wandering around the Oval Office and they've got to use the lawfare. That's all they've got. Yeah, exactly. Some really good indications on Sunday on Fox as to who Donald Trump may pick as his running mate. Yeah. Uh, he mentioned the two names. He mentioned Christy Noem and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. We've seen Tim Scott and Donald Trump at various rallies together. Uh, Christy Noem has been very complimentary towards Donald Trump, saying that she'd never take him on because he would always beat her. Beat her and he, he fancied that comment. Who do you think lines up? One or the other? Who's likely? Well, listen, uh, first of all, yeah, I just have to smile again, if you know politics. The, the South Carolina primary is, what, 10 days away? Tim Scott is the, si sin the sitting senator from that state. He's, he's popular there. He's just making nice on him. Tim Scott will not be picked. It's not going to happen. But people that want an African-American, you know, they say, oh, look at him. He's, he's, he's getting credit for having thoughtless. Christy Nome has been a good governor. She's a stunningly attractive woman. Like she's yeah. really charismatic. Not only a good looking woman, she's charismatic. She's kind of like everything that the American movie, like, you know, she's out there hunting and she's got nice kids and she's a grandma. I think she's a grandmother. She's like, like only like 56 years old. But my point here is he's just playing games at this point. I don't think anybody really can say what Trump is doing. Most American politicians know you don't solve any problems by your pick for president. You only create them. You need someone who looks like they can be president. And people say, oh, he could be there and step in. 
And otherwise, you need somebody who's been tested, meaning they went through his underwear drawer or her underwear drawer, and there's no scandals, and, and then they can go there. So that's why I, I put something out. I said Ben Carson. Dr. Ben Carson is my pick because also one added factor, Trump, remember, he, he, got, he made his, his fame as The Apprentice. And The Apprentice was letting all these people try to compete to be the, the next Trumpish guy. Well, if he picks Ben Carson, most people don't think Ben Carson will run for president. So that sets up the whole, all every Republican in the Senate and governor is going to be competing to be nice to Trump because they want to succeed Trump. And he loves that. He loves that kind of action. So I, I just, but I don't think we know. I think, with it, you know, we're a, a month or two away from that. Trump just loves playing with the uh, crowd. By the way, he also does a trick where he says, let me tell you about who I'm picking. And everybody just assumes he's the nominee. You know, he's still in a race, supposedly, and he's got us all talking about who he's going to pick. So he's so good at this. I don't think people realize. The, the likelihood is that he knows exactly who it will be and he won't mention the name. Right. Exactly. That's right. That's right. He, he know. look, I, I, I tell the story, Steve, I, I, Chris, I should, I started to say there was a producer at um, CNN named Steve. And one time I said to Steve, what was Trump like when he was doing, this guy worked at the apprentice and, and this guy, Steve said, you know, Ed, he was driven to be number one. He would do anything to be the number one show. That's how the guy <clears throat> plays the game. And that's exactly what he's doing when it comes to things like these picks and all. He's he's testing. He's playing. He's getting people talking about him. Again, he's really good at this. I'm not saying he's perfect, but he's really good at the politics of this. All right. I want to go into the direction of policy when yep. after we take a break, Ed, and in particular something that was said on Sunday on Fox by Donald Trump, which gives us an indication of where he'll stand on that particular policy. We'll do that after a break. Let's get some news right now on TNT. I got news for you. TNT Radio News. It's about time. Paul here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. The Pentagon says Iranian-backed militants continue to fire rockets at US forces in the Middle East. Less than a year and a half after he ascended the throne, Britain's King Charles III has been diagnosed with cancer. God save the king! And former U.S. President Donald Trump says he's confident he can flip blue Democratic states ahead of the upcoming presidential election. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I'm with Ed Martin. Now, in that Sunday interview on Fox, Ed, Trump responded to some very important questions. And one question concerned the central bank digital currency that many on the left side of politics seem to be enamored about. I don't understand. Let's just have a listen to what he had to say about that. Pledge to block a potential central bank yeah. digital currency. Is that about surveillance? It's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. Uh, one day you don't have any money in your account. It can be a very dangerous thing. And the other thing that I think is maybe the most dangerous thing out there of anything, because there's no real solution the AI, as they call it, it is so scary. I saw somebody ripping me off the other day where they had me making a speech about their product. I said, oh, I never wow. endorsed that product. And I'm telling you, you can't even tell the difference. It looks like I'm actually That's endorsing it. That's very scary. I, I agree. No, because That's you can get scary. that into wars and you yeah. can get that into other things. Something has to be done about this and it has to be done fast. And nobody really knows what to do. The technology is so good and it's so powerful that what you say at in an interview with you almost doesn't matter anymore. They can, they can change things around and nobody can tell the difference. Even experts can't tell the difference. So, Ed, how do you see the Trump administration dealing with this push 
for a central bank digital currency? There's an interesting side story that, and Trump admitted this. Trump said, Vivek Ramaswamy taught me how this, this thing works. I didn't really, he, I think Trump was a little like you, Chris. He's like, what is all this stuff? What are you guys talking? And, and Trump said, you know, Vivek's really smart. He, uh, he, he filled me in on this and here's what I think. And I, again, I don't think the guy, Trump, gets much credit for this kind of stuff. He, he's, he's, you know, if you were a maniac and you were a whatever, you wouldn't listen to anybody. You'd be mad or whatever. So look, I, I think that at this point, the message he sent with that comment, I don't know if we know what the policy will be. The message was, we're not going to allow more centralizing. At this point in America, even the liberals don't want more government, right? They don't want more centralizing of power, whether it's in banking or anything else. We're seeing it in other subjects. So I think that's the sort of instinct he's doing. We'll, we'll see again what happens when he's in office. I, I'm not blaming him. I'm describing that American presidents run on a lot of great ideas and a lot of talk. Then they get into office and they do what they're going to do. And we'll see where that matches up. All right. I wanted to give you some detail and give our viewers some detail, too, on what the United States Senate unveiled just a day or so ago, a $118 billion bipartisan deal that would boost border security, allegedly, and provide wartime <clears throat> aid for Israel and Ukraine. This includes $60 billion in aid to Ukraine, again, and $14 billion in aid to Israel. Why would funding the wars in Ukraine and Israel be tied to a border security bill? Or is it because one side wants to get their pet project through and the other side wants their pet project through? Well, I, I, in this case, it's actually um, the ruling class of both parties want to get all their stuff through. I mean, uh, they, they want all that money for Ukraine. They don't care about what the actual status is, and they just want, want the money. They, you know, Rand Paul, I think, was uh, on X, and he was saying, hey, they revealed that uh, Zelensky and those guys can't find billions, right? Again, there's something that came out specifically. So I don't think I care. Israel, you know, there's a lot of talk, even amongst conservatives. And, and I support Israel. I support their right to, to, to really fight back against the terror that happened to them. But there's a lot of talk. We're giving them billions when they, they, they can borrow money cheaper than we can. So, you know, there's people that are saying why but they put them together because they want this border boondoggle more than anything else in some ways. They want to force people to take a vote that says you're hard on the border. But, but Chris, it's not hard on the border. We've got thousands and thousands of people coming through, and that law would include provisions that allow the Secretary Mayorkas of DHS and the local court, the, uh, the federal court in D.C., which is the worst court, to be in charge of the policy. It would actually hem in Trump if he was president or a Republican. So it's a disaster, and, and it's dead on arrival. It's not going to happen. I think the Biden administration hopes it becomes an issue for them. But the problem for Biden, he's very ham-handed right now. He's making the left, his own party's left, unhappy with him. And he's got guys like RFK Jr. and Cornell West and Dr. Stein running in these smaller third parties. It's, uh, it's, it's a problem for him. But I, 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 it's a terrible bill, and it won't go anywhere, thankfully. Yeah, thankfully. Now, since April 2022, Ed, uh, the state of Texas has spent more than $124 million to bus migrants to New York City and other blue states. You know, they have a problem and a half. And of course, the governor is taking on the president over this. Millions of illegal migrants have flooded into America, as you rightly point out. And you've got Biden, uh, since he's taken office, we've had in December alone, 300,000 plus cross the border, which is just amazing. Can the migration crisis get any worse? 
Well, I don't think so. And I, I think the only problem is when you talk to people that really understand the ground there, and I talked to someone uh, three, two or three days ago, they, they say the Biden administration doesn't want to change it. They don't care what the pressure is. They just are letting it happen. I mean, you know, on 60 Minutes, our 60 Minutes, I think we have a, a 60 Minutes version that runs uh, all across the world. But the 60 Minutes that ran in America this past weekend, it included a description of um, the fact that the largest number of people coming through the American border are Chinese nationals. In other words, the, the, the Chinese are finding a way to send folks through. I mean, this is insanity. It's, this is not a debate about in, in 2003 about you know uh, uh, farm workers coming to work in California. This wow. is now an inv a full invasion. And uh, that it's not becoming a problem uh, to the whole world, I think it is actually, they're seeing it, but I, I don't know if Biden, you know, there's such an arrogance about it that I don't think that they think they have to change it. When you see it so blatantly, it's so bad. You wonder to yourself, do they know the results of the next election? Because it should lose the election for them. And yet they're not, you know, Biden doesn't seem to really be changing it. He just keeps saying he wants something and, uh, and, and nothing is being done. So I, I don't know what to make of it, but it's terrible for this country. One quick thing, when they ship these these uh, illegal, I call them illegal immigrants. Uh, technically, they have some refugee status or migrant status, but these illegals into the country, they're sending them to the places that used to say, call us a sanctuary city, we'll take them. And now they're like, wait a second, we didn't mean it to this amount. And uh, and I think that's how all America feels. Exactly. And I, I look, I don't get it that, that Biden's not moving quick enough to form a, a block with the states on the southern border to stop the, the flow. I don't understand. They're not reading the room right, are they? No, they're not. But that's, again, what makes you say, are you just clueless or is it part of a plan? Remember, yeah. these are the people that when, when Obama took over, he had a guy named Rahm Emanuel, who's over in Japan as the ambassador right now. And Rahm Emanuel said, never, lead, never leave a crisis, never waste a good crisis. You create a crisis, then you fix a crisis. And I don't know. I mean, it, it's so bad. Right now, we're also seeing, Chris, our people in this country are looking up and they're saying, why are these churches and nonprofits serving these migrants? Why are they making money off of this, this system that's so bad for the country? And it's it's tearing apart a, a fabric of, of us living. We, we like Catholic charities, we thought. And now we're like, why are you doing this to us? And we're having more and more conversations about why do these sort of do-gooder nonprofits get money from the government and they're destroying the country? All of this is bad. And at a certain point, you look up and say, they just want to make things bad. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Now, I, I'd ask you to put your courtroom hat on for just a short yeah. moment. New right. York family court officials have denied a father the legal right to stop his eight-year-old son taking life-changing hormones that would begin his medical transition to become a girl. Dennis Hannon, a senior software engineer from Buffalo, has been locked in this nightmare legal battle with uh, the Supreme Court spanning seven years, would you believe, fighting to retain his fundamental parental rights. Now, Hannon says his son's mother pushed their child's transition and the boy himself was not distressed about living as a boy. How has the US justice system got this so wrong? Where does this go? Well, actually, uh, Chris, this is another show. We could spend a couple hours together on this one. This is uh, this important to say out loud, though. Uh, in America, we have for about 40 years had a system that has been put in place that dominates our families, the family court system. And it's it's driven by leftist ideology, mostly feminists, but leftist ideology and big money. 
Big money, and it's not. This is not just a, like that. You hear the foster care. Somebody gets paid to be a foster care. That's one piece of this puzzle. This includes judges, court uh, uh, appointed people, guardians, psychologists, all wrapped around. This has been going on for forty years, taking away from fathers their right to be involved in their in their child's life. Now, divorce is terrible. We can all go through a litany of this. I got it, but we are where we are, and now we're seeing it where it's not just about you know I'm gonna key your car like the old Dixie Chick song and, and it's going to make you unhappy when we divorce. It's I'm going to talk Junior into deciding he wants to be Jane. And that's what's going on. I mean, it is so disturbed. And the fact that we're not having more clarity on, whoa, wait a second. If you can't decide on this issue, we're not going to, you know, this is like a biblical. Are you going to cut the boy in half? To, that's basically, you're actually destroying the child because you're fighting over, that's sacrifice. Remember, they stopped it. They didn't make you do it in the Bible. So uh, it's so disturbing. And our legal system is broken. I mean, it's a broken system in this case. And and if I was the guy's father, I would look for a chance to grab the kid and run. I know it sounds crazy, but that's what, you, you know, it doesn't sound crazy. It sounds normal, but that's where we are. It's so disturbed. And I, I don't know all these specifics but I know we've got a broken, broken system, and I hope it's going to lead towards reform. You're right about grabbing the kid and run, because what were you, would you be prepared to do as a father to save yeah, your child's exactly. life and his future? It right. is protecting the son uh, against anything that would harm him or ruin his future. And I would take him and I would yeah. run, Ed. Yeah, yeah. No, no, look, and, and you know, there's been coverage in America, down in Latin America, is it El Salvador, the, new, the election the other day, uh, where this leader won and he ran on putting God in the, in the country and, and, and believing in things. And he says, most of the rest of the world has gone crazy and lost their values and we have to get them. And, and so I, I agree with you completely. You know, you, when you're a father, as you know, you actually think to yourself, what would I do? How would I die for my kid? Step in front of that car, step in front of that assailant. And in this case, you look at this and say, what is happening to this country? But again, let me say that we have disturbed ourselves in these relationships. There are lots and lots of women and lots and lots of courts and lots and lots of advocates who want to cause this kind of hate. And frankly, the Democrat Party in America has become the party of women. It, the reason why, mark my words, Chris, the reason why black men are going to vote for Trump in huge numbers is because they're sick of getting yelled at by white women. The Karens, they're just yelling at, at the Karens are yelling at every white man and yes. and black man. Yeah. And people are saying, you know what? I've had enough of it. And we're going to, and that's the Democrat Party. That's Jill Biden is the one. Jill Biden is letting her husband rot on the stage and people are looking up going, what kind of Karen does that to her husband? Yeah, very true. There's a whole segment on Jill Biden. One day we'll get there. Uh, but <laughs> okay. also too, if the United States had a definitive law that said you cannot take hormone treatment, you cannot take puberty blockers, you cannot have surgery until you are at least 16 or 18 years of age, yeah. you wouldn't yeah. have a scenario like this. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But look, again, it's always the money, Chris. I, I mean, it, oh, just always put it up and say the money. Massive amounts of money being made by hospitals, massive amounts of money. Planned Parenthood had a call, Planned Parenthood in America had a call about how they're, they're going to be the administrators of the drugs for all these gender transformations and the follow-on. I mean, at a certain point, you look around and say, what that? What, what, what do you have? How low do you have to go? How evil 
how evil is what's happening for you to do that. But here, here we are. And uh, imagine debating this on you and I debating it as opposed to saying there's a renegade over there who's going to do that to a kid. No, we're debating how we could stop it. It's just wild. It's, it's mad. Okay, <laughs> one last question. The U.S. Yeah. Uh, conducted retaliatory strikes, a series of two uh, from what we've heard. Also strikes uh, against the uh, Houthis along with yeah. the U.K. So it's been a very, very active military period of three days for the United States. Where's this heading? Does that inflame the situation in the Middle East or calm it? Well, here's the problem. Nobody thinks Joe Biden is strong. So when he does this, you look at it and you say, what did you do? You, 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 you shot some missiles in places that aren't Iran. We all know Iran is the one doing this. So you shot them over here and there. Nobody's intimidated. I mean, there are people probably scared about the missiles landing, but you know, I, you just contrast it with Trump, you know, where where you would have thought he, he probably would have called up the Ayatollah and said, look, you know, I'm going to I'm going to get you and your girlfriend and your other girlfriend and your family members or whatever. And and so where's this going? I don't think we have any idea. I, I, I fear where it's going is more dramatic moments like the three American service members killed were by the drone strike. And I think that stuff will happen piecemeal. And there's not a real sense that you have a strong leader. There's not a real sense that you have a leader who's going to make you pay a high enough price to back off. And, and you know, uh, the better question in my mind is, at what point does Joe Biden settle? And I think this is coming, settle the Ukraine war because he doesn't want the issue as a candidate. And, and I, I believe he's going to at some point say that, which is terrible because, again, you're not arguing from strength. He should get peace, but there's just going to be a peace deal. And he's going to force that on the people. And the people who've been betrayed are the Ukrainians who have had the people killed and told, oh, yeah, you can do this and all that. And so it's, it's a mess in the world. And no matter what happens, something's got to give. And I fear that with, with uh, Biden in office, the weakness is an invitation. The weakness is an invitation for more trouble. And uh, and I don't know where it's leading, but it's not leading in a good direction. No, it's not. I'll leave you there. Thank you so much for your time. Very generous once again, Ed Martin. Terrific to have you on the program. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate that. If you'd like to comment on anything raised there by Ed, maybe you've got your own selection for Donald Trump as his running mate. Maybe you'd like to talk about what becomes of the retaliatory strikes now that the US have hit those various militias. Give us a call from the United States or Canada on 1-888-201-6425. From the UK, 033-0024-1026. And from Australia or New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. This is Chris Smith on TNT. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Last week when Corinne Jean-Pierre was asked about the position of Joe Biden when it comes to late-term abortions, she had the phony rhetoric ready to go. What I will say is majority of Americans, majority of Americans wants to see their rights protected, wants to see women have their rights protected, wants to be able to, wants, want women to be able to make those deeply, deeply personal decisions on their bodies, on their own, not politicians. That's what majority of Americans want to see. And so the president's going to stand with majority of Americans on this issue. Do those unborn babies have any rights then? I'm not going to get into that specific. I'm not going to get into that question. Rights for unborn babies? What are you, mad? <laughs> but let's take a look at how Americans really feel 
about the issue of abortion. This is from Gallup, May of last year. Only 34% of Americans believe abortion should be legal under all circumstances. 34%, a majority, 64% say limited circumstances or not at all. And in the same poll, only 22% of Americans believe third trimester abortion should be legal at all. It just shows that Corinne Jean-Pierre and her leftist buddies are a bunch of liars. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. From weather and traffic reports to news of political developments, we turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world providing news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. So many journalists are paying with their lives. They face exponential risks, and they've already paid a heavy toll. Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe, to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked at the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Tout que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. You're with Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. You know, when groups of people get together and voice their disapproval about things that their government is carrying on with, well, this has the potential to spread. It has the potential to go viral in the old sense of the word. And all of a sudden, a very large group of people turn into a monstrously large group of people and people power can defeat their government. I've seen it before, and you've probably seen it before as well, which is why when I spoke to Corinne Clifford, the journalist, last week, we focused on what was going on last weekend in that very small Texas town as a protest against the open borders policy of the Biden administration. Just brilliant. Now, there weren't, you know, ten to 15,000 people there. There were probably a few thousand from all reports, but this will grow as Americans find out that they can voice their disapproval about what's happening on the southern border. Well, Akubra-wearing protesters have also engulfed Canberra's Capitol Hill today and all strength to them as politicians return for the start of the parliamentary year. Perfect time to do it. The rally against reckless renewables. How many times have we spoken about the failure of renewables and the spotted future of renewables down the track? They called for an inquiry into the rollout of renewable energy and also high voltage transmission lines because the ludicrous thing in Australia is in this vast country, um, more than the size of the United States of America, 
you've got a situation where they've got to replicate the current transmission lines to ensure that renewable power gets to the grid. Some people are saying it'll cost $100 billion. It'll be a lot more than that. And that makes renewable power some of the most expensive power you could not wish for. Now, one of the organisers of this rally today was Graham Hood. Graham was a Qantas pilot for 32 years. He flew crop dusting planes too and DC-3s up to 737s. He knows how damaging this renewable plan is for farmers and the agricultural industry in Australia, and he got these people together today. He's on the line from Canberra. Graham, thank you very much for your time on TNT. With you, Chris, and I must correct you. I'm not, I'm not one of the organisers. We just supported it with our followers, and a lot of them came for that. But the organisers did a wonderful job here in Canberra, so it's been a great day. I heard that you were um, crucial in getting as many people there as possible. That, to me, is uh, part of the organising team, but maybe not officially. I get that. Thank you. Um, tell me a little bit about what you saw today and what we heard. What we saw is a lot of very concerned Australian citizens desperate to get their voice heard. And we've seen this for the last three years, Chris, on other issues, especially around mandates and border closures and things relating to COVID. And so what uh, my partner and I, John Larder, with our Club Grubbery media crew, we've been saying for a long time that the people who slept through the COVID pandemic will wake up when we get 15-minute cities. They'll wake up when we get uh, central bank digital currency. They'll wake up when these renewable targets are brought down upon them like a like a, a thunder. And uh, that's what we saw today. A lot of people who may not have been at the rallies that were held in Canberra two years ago were there today in numbers. And what was really interesting was to see the number of politicians who were out there addressing them. And uh, that was good to see, but also very disturbing. When you say disturbing, what do you mean and who was there? Barnaby Joyce was there encouraging everybody to form an army to tell the government that they've got to stop uh, doing what they're doing. And I was close to him and I couldn't help it. I had to yell out at him and say, where were you when there were a million people on the ground here two years ago who were being jabbed and mandated into oblivion? Where were you saying that then? Um, it just seems like it depends on the issue for these people. But some, uh, they were, look, Chris, they were from all uh, uh, facets of Parliament in Canberra except the Labor Party. The Labor Party were not there. Chris Bowen didn't turn up. None of the Labor stalwarts turned up. They've been in the Senate chamber this afternoon. We've been watching them in the Senate chamber, debating the rally out the front. There were hecklers in the, uh, in the gallery who were heckling Penny Wong and others uh, when uh, Matt Canavan raised the rally and the reason it was there. And it got a little bit heated. The Speaker was about to shut down and get everyone out. But in the process of being here this afternoon, we've had an opportunity to uh, meet with several people who are interested in what we have to say, and it's been very fruitful. So the people of Australia are rising, Chris. They are, and it's a it's around a raft of issues. And at the at the foundation of every one of these issues is government overreach. It's mm. a complete destruction of the Australian way of life, being committed by elected representatives and bureaucrats who should be afraid of the people, not the other way around. Yeah, Graeme, you were well aware of government overreach during the COVID period. You refused to be part of the mandate that insisted that if you wanted to get into the air, you had to have a jab and have the whole you know, packet of jabs. Um, I was on the wrong side of that debate initially. 
And so more strength to you. Well done to you. But given the fact that they've been through COVID and they told us to do things that we knew didn't make sense, and certainly now in hindsight, we know didn't make sense. Um, this th this is so similar in that we're going to go down the track of renewables. We're going to do what no other country in the world will have done, which is create some kind of baseload power just with renewables, unreliable renewables. They are evangelists, Graham. They're not scrutinising the plan in front of them. They are religious evangelists, aren't they? Uh, they're fanatic evangelists in that regard. I mean, the Greens Party, where are the Greens? The Greens, you know, this is everything that they were they were founded to yes. prevent. And they're, they're going along with it. I mean, everything's turned upside down and inside out. The Labor Party of today is nothing like that that was founded at Bar Calden around the Tree of Knowledge. The shearers that lost their lives in that shearer strike would roll in their graves. The Liberal yep. Party of today has become a shadow of what it used to be. It doesn't represent anything that Menzies set up. And the whole thing is we're looking at we're looking at a parliament where everybody's on this left agenda and everybody's fighting for this virtue signalling. And it doesn't it doesn't matter who's in power, whether it's red or blue, it doesn't matter. And now we're left with a handful of independents and a couple of brave people like Russell Broadbent today did an amazing speech. He was a member him. for the Liberal Party. He is now an independent because they kicked him out with pre-selection. He's got about 13 months to go. And, you know, these, there are statesmen in this place, Chris. There are. And the trouble is it's watered down so much by, by lefties and virtue signalers who are totally under the control of the corporations. It's just mind-boggling to watch it happen. And the people and, of Australia, and everything's got to be done not for practical purposes, not for economic purposes, but for corporate purposes. It's got to look good. Yep, and corporations are running everything based on policy, and we have learned the hard way, uh, Chris, that policy has no heart. Some of the greatest destroyers of humanity in the last two years have been human resource departments and corporations, sacking teachers and nurses on the grounds of gross misconduct because they wouldn't get vaccinated. I mean, where, do people, where does a teacher go with that on his record? The first thing you yeah. think about, this guy's been fiddling with kids or this woman has been inappropriate with children because they wouldn't get jabbed. And even though the yeah. evidence points clearly to the fact that uh, these, these so-called vaccines, these gene therapies are killing people and nobody wants to know. There's an elephant in the room in this building in Parliament House and nobody wants to look at it. It's frustrating. No one wants to have an inquiry on excess deaths, and that in itself is just criminal, mate. One last thing. Um, this isn't the end of it. As I said at the beginning, from little things, big things grow. What are you planning to do next? Well, look, we're just going to keep the truth going out. We're, John Larder and I, a former paramedic, we, we have been working in the media space, doing interviewing as many people as we can to bring the truth out. There are a lot of farmers who weren't able to get to the protest today because, believe it or not, there's a big lobby group of them in Wangaratta who are sick. Uh, they're too sick to travel, some of them, because they were, they've been vaccinated to their regret. They can't afford to pay staff to feed their animals and to milk their cows and all that sort of stuff, but they still want to have a voice. So we're going to give them a voice. We're going to, um, we're going to set up a Farmers with Voices series, and we're going to be interviewing these people and get the message out there and we're sort of in that space that you're in at the moment, you know, getting truth out to people so we can make some informed decisions. And that's a big thing for us. But today was, I didn't come here to speak today, and I didn't. Um, we came to support those people who are standing up because we all need to back each other up. 
I've never been a rally organiser. I'm not into that. But I attend them to speak and I, uh, and I attend them to rally support and get people behind the things that need to be changed in this country because we're leaving it in a mess for our kids and grandkids, Chris. So, th- look, sh- all I sure. can tell you is, without knowing what's being organised, I can tell you that this is going to grow and I yeah. can tell you that the people in the halls of Parliament are concerned to see the backlash that's building. They're not happy. They're seeing their electorate being challenged. Local governments are being challenged. And people need to wake up. And the, mm. the sooner we do that and voice make our voices heard, the sooner we can get our country back on its feet. Because this country has been decimated. Look, I, I've toured this country for 30... Uh, uh, we've, we've spoken to 30,000 people, 300 venues, 70,000 kilometres. And I can tell you, Chris, this country has a broken heart. Exactly. I've got to leave it there, Graham. I've got to leave it. I'm right up into the news. Well done to you and well done on the Reckless Renewable Rally in Canberra. Back after the news, this is Chris Smith.